From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. Hey there, welcome to the fastest hour in Catholic radio. It is Open Line Tuesday here on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. Uh, Jack Williams is uh, not with us today. He is on a plane. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Uh, I'm Tom Price, along with our Tuesday host, Father Wade Menezes. How are you, Father? I'm doing great, Tom. And uh, I don't know, I kind of feel uncomfortable sitting in Jack's chair, but I I won't tell him if you won't tell him. (laughs) Not a word out of me, uh, but we are delighted to have everybody with us today for Open Line Tuesday. And let me give you that phone number because uh, things tend to go rather quickly on uh, Tuesdays here. The phone number 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-EWTN. 288-3986. If you're listening to us outside of North America, please dial the U.S. country code and then 205-271-2985. You can also send us an email if you prefer that, openline at EWTN.com, openline at EWTN.com. Be sure that you put either Father Wade or Tuesday in the subject line. I'm joined by Rich Jesse, our call screener today, Michael McCall, handling social media uh, I'm actually uh, doing a little bit of double duty here, producing the show and uh, ha- handling things on this end, which we call facilitating. Kind of a fancy word for, uh, you know, just the guys trying to make the r- train run on time so that we can, uh, you know, do everything we need to do. Basically, you're, you're bi-locating today, Tom, like Padre Pio. I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm, producing I, and facilitating. Well, I, I would love to be in the league of Padre Pio. Uh, speaking of saints, we're, we're talking about a very famous saint today. And that is St. Vincent de Paul. Exactly. Today's his universal feast day. He was uh, canonized in 1737 and is the universal patron saint of all works of charity. So the springboard is actually today, Tom, the 14 works of mercy, seven for the body known as the corporal works of mercy, seven for the soul known as the spiritual works of mercy, on this wonderful feast day of St. Vincent de Paul. But first, a little bit about him, huh? And then we'll go into the 14 works of mercy themselves. And then, in talking about the works of mercy, I want to give some concrete examples of how we can carry out the 14 works of mercy for the body-soul compositeness of the human person, and then invite our live listeners to call in or email in today or through Facebook or YouTube, uh, write into us today during this live hour to tell us some of the ways that they enact the corporal or spiritual works of mercy in their own lives, whether single, married, or as consecrated priest, brothers, or sisters. So first, a little bit about St. Vincent de Paul, priest and founder of the Vincentian Order. St. Vincent de Paul was a French Catholic priest who devoted himself to serving the poor. Born into a humble and poor family in 1581, he studied to become a priest. During his life, he succeeded in making a case for the poor to wealthy citizens who generously donated to help those in dire need. Famous for his personal generosity, kindness, and humility, St. Vincent de Paul identified an immense need for material assistance among people. He founded the Congregation of the Mission, 
quote, end quote. The Congregation of the Mission, a Roman Catholic society of apostolic life of priests and brothers known simply as the Vincentians because of their founder. Along with St. Louise de Marillac, he co-founded the Congregation of the Daughters of Charity, who have dedicated their lives for centuries to helping millions of abandoned infants, orphaned children, the sick, injured, refugees, prostitutes, prisoners, the homeless, and societal outcasts. Mm. Because of St. Vincent de Paul's wide-ranging good and charitable works, a wealth of organizations devoted to the service of the poor, known as the Vincentian family, eventually spread throughout the world and even here in the United States, Tom. Among them, the widely known Society of St. Vincent de Paul, or the St. Vincent de Paul Society, uh, is present in many Catholic parishes, for example. Or you might have a cluster of parishes in a geographical location, say three parishes, that could together help uh, keep afloat and serve one St. Vincent de Paul store. Uh, St. Vincent instructed his followers with the following important point of spiritual direction concerning both prayer time and the act of apostolate, and the attitude that one should have when two of these two things collide— both personal act of prayer and the need to carry out a charitable act, say, for the poor. He says this, quote, "...if a needy person requires medicine or some other help during your prayer time, Do whatever has to be done with peace of mind. Offer the deed to God as your prayer. Do not become upset or feel guilty because you interrupted your personal prayer time to serve the poor. No, God is not neglected if you leave him in your prayer for such service. One of God's works is merely interrupted so that another one of God's works can be carried out. So when you leave your personal prayer to serve some poor person, in any capacity, remember that this very service is performed for God. Charity is certainly greater than any rule, and moreover, all rules must lead to charity. Mm. And again, St. Vincent de Paul died in 1660. He was canonized in 1737 and is the universal patron saint of all works of charity. And today's his universal feast day on this 27th of September. And now the 14 works of mercy. The 14 works of mercy hold a very special place within the social teaching of the Church. The works of mercy are charitable actions by which we come to the aid of our neighbor in his spiritual and bodily necessities. That's from the Catechism number 2447. While such actions can surely be many and varied, the Church's traditional listing includes 14 very important ones. Seven for the body, called the corporal works of mercy, and this after the Latin word corpus, which means body. And then seven for the soul, called the spiritual works of mercy. It is precisely because the human person is a body-soul composite that the 14 works of mercy are so important in the life of the Christian who is ready and willing to aid his neighbor. So intimate and intricate is the body-soul compositeness of the human person, Tom, that we can say and mean it that as human persons we not only have bodies, we are bodies. And as human persons we not only have souls, We are souls, and that's from the Catechism number 364 through 366. So it is then that both the corporal and spiritual realities of the human person need to be attended to and nurtured. Deeply rooted in sacred scripture, the Church's traditional listing of the corporal works of mercy include the following seven. To feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to visit the imprisoned, to shelter the homeless, to visit the sick, and to bury the dead. 
The spiritual works of mercy are to admonish the sinner, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to comfort the sorrowful, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive all injuries, and to pray for the living and the dead. And again, when we come back from our break, Tom, I'd like to give live here some concrete ways that we can enact these 14 works of mercy, seven for the body, seven for the soul, again, precisely because of the body-soul compositeness of the Mm -hmm. human person. And then invite our live listeners this hour either to call in or to write in on our Facebook live feed or our YouTube live feed as to how they carry out the 14 works of mercy in any combination. Father John Harden explains that the corporal works of mercy are the seven practices practices of charity based on Christ's prediction of the last judgment, Matthew 5, verses 3 through 10, that will determine each person's final destiny. He defines the spiritual works of mercy, Father Hardin does, as, quote, the traditional seven forms of Christian charity in favor of the soul or spirit of one's neighbor, in contrast with the corporal works of mercy that minister to people's bodily needs, their bases are the teaching of Christ and the practice of the church since apostolic times. One more important point, Tom, before break, is worth mentioning here. We all know that the liturgical season of Lent encourages increased prayer, fasting, and almsgiving in one's daily life. These three things are collectively known as the three eminent good works. We can say that the 14 works of mercy also serve as a wonderful blueprint to guide us in our almsgiving anytime during the liturgical year whether as an act of fraternal charity or penitential observance. As Pope St. Gregory the Great says, quote, when we attend to the needs of those in want, we give them what is theirs, not ours. More than performing works of mercy, we are paying a debt of justice. Mm. And as Matthew 25, 40 says, and the king will answer them, truly, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it also to me referring to the works of charity, the works of mercy. And Pope St. Leo the Great, to echo Gregory the Great, who we just heard, says this, Saint, Pope St. Leo the Great, the works of mercy are innumerable. Their very variety brings this advantage to those who are true Christians, that in the matter of almsgiving, not only the rich and affluent, but also those of average means and the poor are able to play their part in the works of mercy. Those who are unequal in their capacity to give can still be equal in the love within their hearts. Mm, beautiful. So there you have it, the 14 works of mercy, the corporal works of mercy for the body, the spiritual works of mercy for the soul on this great feast day of St. Vincent de Paul, and we will give concrete examples when we come back. Looking forward to that. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy here on EWTN Radio's... (laughs) Open Line Tuesday. Do stay with us. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes here on EWTN Radio. Our phone number, 833-288-EWTN. That's 
888-288-3986. We'll get to the phones in just a moment. We'll also continue our discussion about St. Vincent de Paul with Father Wade in just a moment. But first, I want to talk to you for just a moment here about EWTN's National Catholic Register. You know, it's America's most trusted Catholic news source. That is true, with a comprehensive view of the world from a distinctly Catholic perspective. Give a gift subscription or subscribe for yourself. Save up to 42% right now. Just visit ncregister.com today. ncregister.com. And right now you can also receive daily, weekly, or alert emails from the register. If you want to subscribe to that, visit EWTN.com. Click on the word subscribe. That'll open up a little menu for you there. And then uh, just choose the register we will take it from there. So, Father, uh, St. Vincent de Paul, how can, you know, the average guy, and that's that's me, maybe subpar some days, uh, how can we uh, look to St. Vincent de Paul in our own lives? Oh, I've got some great examples here, Tom. So, again, we'll begin with, with the 14 works of mercy. They're, they are the kind acts by which we help our neighbors with their everyday material needs and physical needs, huh? So, to feed the hungry, uh, traditionally listed as the first one, support and volunteer at food pantries soup kitchens and agencies that feed the hungry or donate food to such organizations like food pantries, mm-hmm. soup kitchens, and agencies. How about making a few sandwiches in your own home kitchen uh, to hand out as you walk through areas where you might encounter people in need or an ice chest in your vehicle with some soft drinks or juices that you can give to people in need. Uh, avoid wasting food at home. That That's something right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, offer to purchase groceries for a family in need. Um, how about supporting uh, and or volunteering uh, at a homeless shelter as the first of our examples to shelter the homeless? Uh, support and or volunteer for charitable agencies that care for the homeless, help build homes like for Habitat for Humanity, mm-hmm. and provide support in the wake of natural disasters. How about advocating for public policies and legislation that provide housing for low-income people? And consider becoming a foster parent for a child who has no home. Okay, so again, uh, to shelter the homeless. How about to clothe the naked? Uh, Go through the drawers and closets in your home and find good condition clothes and shoes to donate to agencies that provide assistance for those in need, like the St. Vincent de Paul Society store or the Goodwill store Mm -hmm. or the Catholic Charity store. Uh, Participate in programs that provide towels and linens specifically for hospitals in distressed rural areas. Uh, Volunteer to work at a clothing drive or at a shelter where clothes is distributed to those in need. Uh, support the work directly of the St. Vincent de Paul Society. How about to visit the sick? Spend quality time with those who are sick or homebound. Take the time to call the sick, send a card to the sick, or an email to someone who is sick. How about volunteering to drive patients to medical appointments and treatment facilities? Uh, For example, cloistered nuns in your area. Uh, I have a dear friend in California. She will help now and again drive the cloistered nuns in in the hometown there uh, to their doctor's visits, their doctor's appointments. Mm. How about volunteering at a local hospital or nursing home? Or how about cooking and delivering meals uh, to the sick and the homebound? And then regarding visiting the imprisoned, support and or participate in ministries to those who are incarcerated, including religious ministries. Uh, Support job training and educational programs designed to rehabilitate prisoners. Pray for the families of inmates. Include the families of inmates in your daily rosary or your daily Divine Mercy chaplet. 
How about support programs that provide holiday gifts for prisoners and their families? Uh, to give to the poor uh, or to give drink to the thirsty, we could say as well in another form, take some small bills, loose change or gift cards or coupon books if you prefer not to carry cash with you to hand out to people you encounter who are in need. Gift cards are a great way to do that. Um, if possible, make a regular monetary donation to a charity that tends to the needs of the poor, like the St. Vincent de Paul store in your area. Uh, and now to bury the dead. Uh, often known as the last of the seven corporal works of mercy, from the, again from the Latin corpus, which means body. To bury the dead, be faithful about attending wakes and visitation services and masses of Christian burial for the dead. Uh, participate in a bereavement in ministry in your local parish, the, the local parish's bereavement ministry. Spend time with widows and widowers and maybe help them out financially. Take friends and relatives to visit their loved ones' graves at the cemetery, especially throughout the month of November, uh, the month of all souls. Huh? Support ministries that offer free Christian burials to those unable to afford one uh, for their loved ones. And send mass cards to families' loved ones who have died to help support the suffrages uh, for the dead, for the holy souls in purgatory. And now the spiritual works of Mercy Tom, uh, to instruct the ignorant, we have this. Uh, commit yourself to learning about the Catholic faith and share your understanding of the faith with others and with those who welcome it. Uh, share your insights, your knowledge, and your skills with others, especially friends, fellow students, and co-workers. Take time to tutor those who are just beginning to learn new tasks, such as at your place of employment. Ask your boss if you can be a mentor maybe for a new employee at the place of employment. Uh, to admonish the sinner, which can often be a little uncomfortable, we have this. Uh, be courageous yet compassionate in calling people and institutions to be faithful to gospel values. Properly intervene in a charitable way in situations in which people are clearly doing harm to themselves and or doing harm to others. Uh, respond to negative and prejudicial comments with positive statements instead of negative ones. How about this? Put an end to gossip by walking away. Set a good example for others in the group yes. by simply not taking part in the gossip. These are ways to admonish the sinner in modern times. How about to counsel the doubtful? Well, we can work at being optimistic and avoiding cynicism. We can respond to cynicism, skepticism, and doubt with hope and optimistic words to another person. How about being articulate about your own hopes? Articulate your own hopes to others, what, that you have the virtue of hope, that you live the virtue of hope. Mm -hmm. How about asking people about their own hopes and support them in trying to attain them? To comfort the sorrowful, we have this. Uh, offer words of encouragement to those who seem discouraged or sorrowful themselves. Uh, offer positive words to fellow students or co-workers who may be having a difficult time with their tasks, say their studies or their new employment work. Be present to those who are struggling or in emotional pain or despair, say because they just lost a loved one. Especially they lost a loved one, let's say, suddenly where it came out of nowhere, maybe through an automobile accident, and there's particular pain there. Uh, maybe they didn't have the chance to say goodbye to their loved one, and their last interaction with their loved one was an argument. Uh, that's, a, that's a real trying situation mm, there. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you can really be uh, present there by offering them hope. Uh, offer sympathy, sympathy to those who are grieving. How about to forgive all injuries? Uh, this can be difficult to do as well. Pray for those who have wronged you and pray for the courage to forgive them. 
ask forgiveness from others whom you have hurt and let go of grudges. Go out of your way to be positive with someone you are having a difficult time with. You know, Tom, in the old uh, theology textbooks before Vatican II, Mm -hmm. one of the sins against the Holy Spirit was to brood over injuries received, called brooding over injuries received. That's against the Holy Spirit. That really makes the devil happy, but it saddens uh, the Holy Spirit. How about working uh, at being less critical of others? That's another way that we can uh, bear wrongs patiently. How about overlooking the minor flaws and mistakes of others? Give people the benefit of the doubt in situations, whether family situations or home situations. Family situations, in other words. Another way that we can bear wrongs patiently, assume that people who may have hurt you did so because they are enduring pain of their own, or they did so through simple ignorance rather than through malice. Huh? They, okay, they hurt you, fine. You know they hurt you, but but give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they didn't do that in malice. Maybe mm-hmm. they did it through through simple ignorance. Mm-hmm. And pray for those who have wronged you. You know, that's a great thing to do when we pray, for example, the daily Divine Mercy Chaplet. Only takes about six or seven minutes to pray. Beautiful prayer. Uh, pray for those who have wronged you. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. And then to pray for the living of the dead, often listed as the seventh of the seven spiritual works of mercy for the soul. How about pray daily the rosary and divine mercy chaplet for both the living and the dead? How about encouraging relatives, friends, and loved ones who are Catholic uh, to receive the sacrament of the anointing of the sick and the last rites when approaching death, or encourage those living relatives and friends who are fallen away Catholics to return to confession and the Eucharist, the only two sacraments out of the seven hmm. that can be received over and over again with much frequency, or inviting non-Catholics to look at the Catholic Church. Huh? How about offering suffrages for the holy souls in purgatory? How about having nine masses said, a novena of masses said, specifically for the intention of, quote, the holy souls in purgatory, not just during November, although that would be a special time to do it, because the month of November is a special month set aside for the holy souls, but uh, any time of year, having a novena of masses, or what's called a triduum of masses, meaning three, a triduum of masses said, for the holy souls in purgatory. And how about offering plenary and partial indulgences for the souls of the faithful departed, huh? Uh, we can offer a plenary or, or partial indulgence for ourselves, Tom, as I'm sure you're aware, or for a deceased person, known or unknown to us. What we cannot do is offer a plenary or partial indulgence for another living person, okay. known or unknown to us, because they're still living and they can still merit for themselves. Mm-hmm. But, but for the faithful departed, we surely can. So again, my friends, here are some concrete ways I just shared with you to enact daily uh, your 14 works of mercy, the corporal works of mercy for the body, the spiritual works of mercy for the soul. A great way to do it, um, uh, whether single, married, or a consecrated religious, you can share these with uh, others by listening to the to the podcast after it's posted live, after this live hour, after it's posted after this live hour, and uh, maybe write them down, jot them down, and uh, call us in this hour. I really want to invite our, our listeners listening live right now to share how they enact 
the 14 works of mercy, any combination thereof, the, the, the corporal or the spiritual. Maybe we can start taking those live calls uh, right after we get back from our second break here shortly. Uh, tell us how you enact uh, the 14 works of mercy, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a consecrated religious priest, brother or sister, or one of my diocesan brother priests. What's your parish do, brother priest, uh, to help carry out the 14 works of mercy? There's all kinds of options here, and we'd love to hear from you live this hour, or jot in on, on a keyboard what it is you do, and send it to our Facebook live feed this hour, where you can also watch the show and not just listen to it, or the EWTN YouTube page, where you can also watch the show and not just listen to it. Uh, type in what it is you're doing to help uh, uh, f- carry out the, the 14 works of mercy in your in your daily life. Uh, very, very important. The Gospels call recall the reality of the works of mercy, especially whenever our Lord talks about the second coming, the, 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 the judgment of man when he comes again. So that's pretty important, too. Yeah, better believe it. All right, that phone number, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Love to hear from you on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon for Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. Stay with us. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Lines are open for you right now at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986 for Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. Hey, two of our our radio family members are celebrating anniversaries this week. St. Therese Radio in Abilene, Kansas, marking seven years with EWTN this week. Also, the great Archangel Radio in Mobile, Alabama, celebrating 12 years. So congratulations to both of those great radio apostolates. So today we're talking about St. Vincent de Paul and the 14 works of mercy. And Father, while you were laying some of these out, uh, one thing that Adrienne, my wife and I like to do, we will take one gallon Ziploc bags, mm. and uh, we'll sit down and just assemble a whole bunch of them with a bottle of water, uh, some crackers, you know, like cheese and cracker packs, mm-hmm. some soft foods, and some canned foods with a pull tab top, oh, so nice. so that they don't have to, uh, you know, have a have, can opener exactly. And then yeah. we'll put a couple of napkins in there, uh, sometimes even a rosary, and then we'll keep a couple of those in the back seat of the car. So that when we pull up to a, uh, you know, perhaps a stoplight or stop sign where where somebody is there and clearly in need, we can just roll down the window and say, here, here you go, brother. God bless you. Yeah, great. And, you know, 10 times out of 10, they will say thank you. Amen. Yes. And, and you know, I, I know, for, I can say this about myself, I'm reluctant to give cash because I don't know if it's going to be used towards right. drugs, for example. Right, right. So I like to have something tangible, mm-hmm. even even small toiletries uh, that you can give out to people. Uh, sure. Uh, food products. And I love the idea of, of the pop the pop lid can, you yeah. know, with the pull top. Uh, they don't need a, a can opener in that regard. Vienna and bottle, sausages. Yeah. And a bottle of water is always welcome. So wonderful. Great idea. Yeah. And, and just to be clear about it, we always pack soft food because some of these mm. folks have uh, dental issues, and, and maybe they can't handle anything. Uh, but, you know, something like uh, Vienna sausages, they yeah. certainly could. Uh, all right, let's get to the phones here at 833-288-EWTN. We're going to begin with Terry in Fairfax, Virginia, listening on the great Guadalupe Radio. Hey there, Terry, what's on your mind today? Hello, can you hear me okay? Sure can. Go right ahead. Okay, yes. Hello, and hello, Father Wade. I was wondering if you could clarify something for me. Um I'm, I've been reading 
um, I started reading, I haven't finished it, um, the apostolic letter Desiderio Desideravi. Yes. And section five, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit concerned about the first two sentences. I don't know if you have it in front of you. I could read you the sentences. They're not very long. And um, Oh, no, I've got it here in front of me. I've got it in front of me. What, what is it that, that's, that's bothering you a little bit? The second sentence that starts to be admitted is is that abrogating the the catechism and the USCCB guidelines uh, as far as disposition to take communion? Meaning where it says the church tailors such a garment of the wedding feast of the Lamb to fit each one with the whiteness of a garment bathed in the blood of the Lamb? The that's, second sentence that follows that. The, the sentence, okay, that would be the third sentence then. We must not allow ourselves even a moment of rest, knowing that still not everyone has received an invitation to the supper, or knowing that others have forgotten it, or have got lost along the way in the twists and turns of human living. No, that, that's, that's not talking about uh, anything regarding communion specifically. Remember, the wedding feast of the Lamb is ultimately about entering heaven for all eternity, and the Mass foreshadows that. So, for example, on Good Friday, when we have that that list of general intercessions, I believe there's 10 different categories for the Passion Service, uh, traditionally celebrated at 3 o'clock on lo- at local time on Good Friday, where we pray for uh, all those in the Church, those outside the Church, our Jewish brothers and sisters, those who do-, do not yet know God, those who see God in another light, like our non-Christian brothers and sisters. So remember, the Church's teaching from Vatican II uh, coalescing with there is no salvation outside the Church, we can also affirm that in the positive phrasing of where there is salvation, there is the Catholic Church. So this would tie into Lumen Gentium number 12 through 14, wherein we acknowledge different categories of persons who may not have the fullness of truth, but we surely want to invite to possess the fullness of truth during their earthly life, an average of 78 years, according to the latest longevity statistics, and that one of the ways to evangelize that very truth is that we want all to eventually partake in the Supper of the Lamb. And this document that you're asking about specifically is about proper celebration of the liturgy, both on the part of the celebrant with the Ars Celebrandi, the art of celebration, as well as with the laity and their proper dispositions. So, for example, what is proper for the non-Catholic who might be attending Mass with their Catholic friend? What can they do and cannot do in regards to receiving Holy Communion if they're not properly disposed? Um, is a guide in regards to this document. The same we, same thing with the baptized Catholic, who, by knowing what the Church teaches about a Holy Communion versus a sacrilegious communion, knowing what indeed they should or should not do if they are not properly disposed at the time that they attend a Holy Mass as well. So that's all that is saying. That's all, that's all that, that sentence is saying, which I believe is actually the third sentence of number five, not the second sentence. Uh, it's not talking about only, only communion, but the whole art of celebration. Now, the Ars Celebrandi is a phrase that's usually reserved for the celebrant, but there's also an Ars Celebrandi of the faithful in the pews. There's an art of celebration for those partaking actually in the sacred liturgy. So we talk about the Ars Celebrandi there as well, and that's what this is getting at. Great question. Uh, By the way, if if I can state this, uh, there's a, a wonderful, wonderful article by 
uh, Father Raymond D'Souza in the National Catholic Register on Desiderio Desideravi, uh, his initial impressions of Pope Francis's new document on the Mass and the art of celebration. And Father D'Souza says, this new papal teaching is a welcome shift, certainly worthy of careful reading and reflection by all the faithful. And uh, it's dated June 29th, 2022, June 29th, 2022, and uh, it's by Father Raymond D'Souza, and it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful uh uh, article that he wrote giving a synthesis of the document. Now, I want to I close your question by looking at paragraph um, number uh, 54 of the document, which talks about the art of celebration. Listen to this. Pope Francis is saying that there's two extremes, and he, he gives the two extremes in a, in a little litany, if you will, litany, quote-unquote, of what different things priests do. So this is just regarding the art of celebration by the celebrants, not the lady in the pews. Listen to this. If this isn't so spelled out well, I don't know what is. He, he hits the nail on the head here. Paragraph 54, he says, If it is true that the Ars Celebrandi is required of the entire assembly that celebrates, meaning priest and people. It is likewise true that ordained ministers must have a very particular concern for it, meaning the Ars Celebrandi, the art of celebration. In visiting Christian communities, I have noticed that their way of living the liturgical celebration is conditioned, for better or unfortunately for worse, by the way in which their pastor presides in the assembly. In other words, the priests will follow the people, right? Uh, we could say that these are different models of presiding, some good, some not. Huh? Here is a possible list of such approaches, which even though opposed to each other, characterize a way of presiding that is certainly inadequate. And now here he gives his litany on the part of the celebrant. A rigid austerity or an exasperating creativity, a spiritualizing mysticism or a practical functionalism, a rushed briskness or an overemphasized slowness, a sloppy carelessness or an excessive fickleness, a superabundant friendliness or a priestly impassibility that's unapproachable. Granted the wide range of these examples, he says, I think that the inadequacy of these models of presiding have a common root a heightened personalism of the celebrating style, which at times expresses a poorly concealed mania to be the center of attention. Wow. And the pre-celebrant is not to be is not called to be the center of attention. The celebration of the sacred liturgy is not about him. So notice what Pope Francis is doing here is he's giving the liberal approaches and the ultra-conservative approaches, mm -hmm. both are bad. You know, the, the rigidness versus the, the carelessness and the quickness of the celebration. So this is just an excellent document that tells us that the virtue is found in the via media. Virtue is found in the means, something that St. Thomas mm -hmm. Aquinas himself teaches. Great question. Thank you so much. And I want to commend you. I presume you're a layman. You didn't introduce yourself as a father, a priest. I want to commend you as a layman of reading this document. And I would continue reading it right up to your pre-Advent reading. And it would be a beautiful continued beautiful spiritual reading in preparation for Advent in just about eight weeks. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate your call. Let's go to Jim in Tampa, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Hello, Jim. What's on your mind today, sir? 
Jim in Tampa, are you there? Mm-hmm. Why don't we put him on hold, and let's go to Wendell in Cincinnati. Hey, Wendell, listening on Sacred Heart Radio, what's on your mind today, sir? I just uh, was just wanted to follow up. Father asked how we do our, our um, works of mercy. And yes. This year we have the opportunity where at our parish. Uh, it's run by a congregation of uh, uh, the Oratory of Philip Neri. Okay. And so for the whole year we have a, a monstrance of his relic, and we can go and, and offer an indulgence, a plenary indulgence to someone. And so we, we make as many efforts as we can. Every, every Mass we can go, we do more than just Sunday to um, offer an indulgence to someone who doesn't have uh, maybe anyone to pray for them. That's usually mm, what, I, beautiful. what I ask for. That's my intention. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, that and, w- yeah, that w- that's what I ended my springboard topic with after we came back from the first break, is offering uh, plenary and partial indulgences that you carry out, that you have the opportunity to do, to do for yourself or for a deceased person, known or unknown to you, and here you are doing the latter. What a beautiful thing to do. Absolutely. Hey, Wendell, thank you so much for your call. Don't forget, uh, tomorrow it is More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popcheck. That's uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Tomorrow's topic, why won't you listen? (laughs) Is someone in your life not respecting or validating your needs? We'll help you be heard. That is Dr. Greg and Lisa Popcheck on tomorrow's great program, More to Life, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on EWTN Radio. Let's go now to Linda in Illinois, listening uh, in Chicago on AM 750. Hey there, Linda, what's on your mind today? Hello. Hi, Linda. Uh, hi. Yes, uh, I really, really appreciate the topic and everything that you said, Father Wade, about the works of mercy it's kind of funny, you know, when I was, I went to Catholic school and we had to memorize the works of mercy. And so back then they just seemed to me uh, pretty meaningless, you know, just, just things that we had to memorize and I didn't really understand it. Uh, but as I've gotten older and have been doing these things and then uh, somewhere along the line, probably on EWTN, I heard people talking about them. Um, in the, you know, recent past. Right. And I realized, oh, all those things I've been doing are actually works of mercy. And that actually really encouraged me, um, you know, to keep doing them, that there really is a purpose behind them. So thank you for talking about this. I think it's a really important topic. Um, the example I wanted to give was um, I had an aunt who actually just recently passed away at the age of 102 uh close to 103. Wow. God bless her. Yeah, and I started, uh, she actually was a a Franciscan sister. Mm. Um, When I started visiting her, um, when we moved into the area close to where she lived, um, they were very pleasant visits, um, and she was very inspirational. But when she got older, you know, it became more difficult. Some, Some days were very good visits, but sometimes it wasn't easy to be there, you know, she would right. be depressed, she would kind of complain, and, and she wasn't her normal self that I had known, um, you know, uh, to be. So it wasn't always easy to go, and of course, you know, it took time out of my schedule and, and uh, you know, somewhat of a sacrifice of just time on my part. But when I really, uh, you know, thought about it being a work of mercy and important for me to go and visit her, um, that just really changed my attitude about going. 
And I realized that it wasn't about me and I wasn't visiting her, uh, you know, to gain something myself. It was more, um, even if it was difficult, uh, I, I understood that it was meaningful to God for me to be there. Yeah. And obviously meaningful to her, too. Sure, and an act of charity that, that you're not doing initially to get anything back from. You're doing it for the charitable act that it is per se, and yet God still ends up blessing and rewarding you because you end up feeling good about yourself as well once you go ahead and you do visit her. And that's a beautiful thing. So this is an example that God cannot be outdone in his generosity. You know, we Fathers of Mercy, our Superior General, every Tuesday takes our novices to go deliver items to the local birthright office in our neighboring hometown. And uh, they'll take things like um, uh, diapers, for example, but in bulk, uh, diapers, or toys, clothing, whatever, uh, baby food, mostly baby food and diapers, uh, to the local birthright center to help uh, unplugged unplanned pregnancies and, and women who go to this center for assistance. And that's a great way that, that, that we can help uh, locally in our community to aid those in need, uh, both, both again, spiritually and corporally, in this case corporally, uh, helping to feed the baby and clothe the baby uh, for the mother in need. But there's so, so many options, and this is just a great um, uh, topic to be talking about on this feast day of St. Vincent de Paul, who again, uh, is on the Church's Universal Calendar today on September 27th, and he's the patron saint of all charitable works. What a title that is. Mm. The patron saint of all charitable works. And again, the, the, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy uh, derive from the fact that we are a body-soul composite. I said this in the opening comments, the springboard topic. We don't have bodies, we are bodies. We don't have souls, we are souls. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas says, look at it this way, where the angels are non-embodied spirits, the human person is an embodied spirit. So what do you think of that? You know, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. So we want to aid both categories that make us up, both the spiritual and the corporal. Thank you so much, Linda, for a great uh, witness uh, from Illinois today. We really appreciate you listening to the show. Do appreciate that. Thank you, Linda. And I'm, I'm reminded, Father, of a writing that is attributed to... Um, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, St. Teresa, who said something like, uh, you know, some people are difficult to love, love them anyway. Mm. Uh, some situations yes. are, are tough to cope with, cope with them anyway, and kept coming back to do it anyway, do it right. anyway. And that, that just means so much. Right, absolutely, absolutely. That's a, that's a great—I've uh, seen that, too. I, I might be able to find that here. Uh, I'd love to read it, but yes, it, it, that's, that's ex exactly a great example of, of what we're talking about here. Here is Rolando now on uh, Great Lakes Naval Base, uh, listening on the great WSFI. Rolando, what's on your mind today, sir? Yes, uh, Father, good afternoon. Bless, blessed are you uh, doing this. Uh, uh, my question or statement is, uh, it's about, uh, you talked about many times, you and uh, the rest, about the Paris Renewal. Uh, the I am a Catholic charismatic in the Philippines. Oh, I'm now uh, here in Chicago. My my um, my observation is that the parish parishes uh, of which I belong is Saint Patrick in Wadsworth. They always do the uh, light in the world, which is very good. Uh, they stopped it. Now I introduced the life in the spirit seminar. It seems uh, uh, they don't go for it. So. Uh, I wish 
something uh, to be done by the big church to to uh, acknowledge or enlighten the uh, parishes around the world to re- uh, to a renewal movement by way of life in the spirit seminar. Yeah, like it, Father Robert de Grandis, if you're familiar with him, he, he passed away. He yeah, was our uh, spiritual director, ex spiritual ex. What do you call that? In the absence, he went to the in Philippines. Uh huh. You, well, you make a great point by mentioning your spiritual director there at the end, because the charismatic movement within the Catholic Church is a valid movement. Uh, we have some great uh, quotes from Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, Pope Emeritus Benedict, who every Pentecost Sunday uh, during his pontificate uh, called together the different charismatic movements of the Church and their representatives to celebrate Pentecost Sunday at the Vatican because of these varied works. So, so the, 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 the movement is authentic, okay? Just like the uh, extraordinary form of the Mass with the beautiful Latin and the chant is authentic. Just like the ordinary form of the Mass, uh, when it's celebrated correctly with all due reverence, solemnity, and devotion uh, in the vernacular with beautiful uh, music and, and, and authentic hymnody, all these types of styles, it's not either or in Catholic uh, way of thinking. It's both and. But whatever is under the umbrella of both and has to be properly overseen. And that's what uh, Pope John Paul II and Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and Pope Francis have been conveying time and again after all these documents. But I'm glad to hear you mention your spiritual director of the charismatic group of your Life in the Spirit, Life in the Spirit seminar chapter that you belong to in the Philippines and, and are hoping to get started in the Chicago area, because the Church does teach that when it comes to the charismatic renewal, the individual chapters or groups are to be overseen authentically by a priest. He doesn't have to be a parish priest, he can be an associate pastor, uh, but he needs to be a priest and who's properly deputed by his parish priest where the group exists. So what I would do if I were you is I would start at, you know, grace comes through the chain of command, right? Mm-hmm. So if I were you, I would start with your local parish pastor, your, your pastor himself, and ask him if he knows anything about the Life in the Spirit Seminar, which is an organization that has received ecclesiastical approbation in the past. To my knowledge, it's never been rescinded. Um, but that you'd like to maybe start a chapter in your parish and be prepared to share with him information on the Life in the Spirit seminar uh, group. And then uh, also maybe share with your local bishop the same thing. So remember, grace comes to the chain of command. All things with clarity and charity. I can't say that enough. Uh, in wanting to make your point on why you would like to see it uh, started up again. Uh, what you did in the Philippines started up again in your own uh, area of Chicago. Uh, great thing, and I, I wish you the best of luck on that. God bless you. And Tom, if I may say, I found what I was looking for that you mentioned earlier uh, from Mother Teresa, simply titled Anyway. Oh, beautiful. Go ahead and share that sure, now. Sure, sure. Uh, it's based on the so-called Paradoxical Commandments by Layman Kent Keith from 1968. And Mother Teresa says this, she says, people are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered, so you don't want to forgive them. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you may win some false friends and some true enemies. Be successful anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank 
anyway. What you spend years building, others literally could destroy overnight. Build anyway. I think there, Tom, of that famous film footage of Beirut being bombed uh, decades ago. Yes. Where Mother Teresa was literally in the orphanage Mm -hmm. when the bombing was taking place and that orphanage was spared. It was quite miraculous. But again, she says, what you, what you spend years building, others could literally destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, others may be jealous of you. Be happy and serene anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good today anyway. Give the world the best you've got, and it may never be enough but give the world the best you've got anyway. Because you see in the final analysis, it's primarily between you and God, and it was never between you and them anyway. Fantastic. Or does it set things in perspective? You know, it, it, it really does, and what a great button to put on this program, and, and I think of the great the work that you folks do at the Fathers of Mercy. Maybe you could uh, give us a little summary of, uh, of sure. what you do in our, in our final moments here. Well, thank you, Tom. We Fathers of Mercy are itinerant missionary preachers. We travel throughout the United States and Canada and Australia and other countries at invitation. We've been in Scotland and in India. We've given the annual canonical retreat, for example, in the past to Mother Teresa's sisters the mm. main mother, at the main mother house in Calcutta. But we preach parish missions, retreats, and devotions uh, throughout the United States and Canada and Australia. And uh, we come at the invitation of the pastor uh, to preach in his parish or at the invitation of, a, of an approved lay group of Catholics to preach for them. <laughs> we'll also give uh, Catholics uh, retreats to non-Catholics if they're interested in a wow. Catholic-based retreat. So uh, give us a call at at, uh, 270-542-4146 and follow the phone tree there, extension 302, to our mission office, or simply go to fathersofmercy.com and look at our website and find out about a little bit more about the Fathers of Mercy. And if you're a young man ages 18 to 40 who is contemplating a religious vocation, priestly vocation, or permanent diaconate vocation with an active missionary order, uh, look at fathersofmercy.com again, or go to vocations at fathersofmercy.com, which is the email address to our vocation director, Father Ken Geraci. Again, that's vocations with an S, vocations at fathersofmercy.com. Write Father Ken Geraci and ask him when the next Come and See weekend can be that you possibly can well attend. All right, Father Wade, could you please leave us with your blessing? I certainly will, Tom, and may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always. And as my ink pen says, Tom, St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us on behalf of our fantastic team here. Uh, Rich, Jesse handling the uh, phone screening. Michael McCall doing a super job on social media in the absence of Jeff Burson. And a little old producer man behind the glass here. (laughs) I'm Tom Price (laughs) along with Father Wade. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Open Line Tuesday on EWTN. God bless.